almost the weekend. It's the almost the weekend podcast where we take your favorite video games and we put them under the grill until there is <laughs> nothing but charred remains left. <laughs> yeah. We burn them into nothing but like carbon atoms. And then they're just like left floating through the ether. That's what we do with video. We actually do the opposite on this show. <laughs> we put something under the grill thinking we're able to like fry it up and eat it. And then it just is like we take the smallest bite out of the corner and we're like, oh, we're full, we're full. <laughs> oh my God. 100%. It's good to be here. How are you, Joe? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, um,. Yeah, dude, I, I, I think I actually know why my voice is sounding like this. Oh, are you like uh, doing some voice acting work or are you getting sick? No, neither. Um, oh. I, so I was driving to work on Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going to go to work that day. I was like, maybe I'll just work from home today. And then I felt like I was going to be bored. So I jumped in the car, went to the station. And as I was driving to the station, I like drove around a roundabout and then uh this car just like came out of nowhere mm. and i very nearly smashed into it like they just weren't looking and they oh came out God. of the intersection and they were supposed to give way to me but they did not and they had a trailer and i skidded along the you know the road for like a solid 10 15 meters holy shit on, like, full brakes slammed on the horn and and then like they horned me back at the exact same thing and i horned them back and they horned me back and i was like <laughs> what is this I felt the rage boiling up inside. I'm not a very rage-filled person, you know. I I would I would account to that if you yeah. were if you were in a, in a court of law and you were going through like the Zelda crimes or whatever. I would attest <laughs> to the fact that you are not a very rage-filled person. Uh, yeah, I have noticed recently, and I think it's Melton drivers, like the, the where I live, out of western mm-hmm. suburbs. The drivers are really bad, mm. and, and I've had to adapt, like Batman. And like Bane <laughs> to the darkness. Um, yeah. 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 It's it's amazing how like your take on a place can be driver specific. Like oh, I yeah. have I have the same feeling of Aubrey, right? Like in in Aubrey, no one knows how to use a roundabout. And and there are like fuckloads of roundabouts in Aubrey. Um and I was complaining to like one of the Aubrey citizens and they were like, mm. well, we didn't get roundabouts until the mid eighties. So like yeah. oh, a bunch of 60 year olds don't, you know, they didn't learn while roundabouts were here. So like, they don't know how to use them. I'm like, Jesus, like <laughs> we've got a real problem. If that's yeah. Yeah. Well, as the aging population ends up dying off, I guess <laughs> that I got so grim so fast then it will become less of a problem. But yeah, Aubrey is like that. It's just roundabouts for, for days. Um, oh, and no dear. one seems to understand the concept of giving away. Oh dear. You just go. Anyway, so I, I rode down the, the I drove down the, the part a bit, ended up at the lights next to them and I didn't yell at them. Um, mm-hmm. But I like, you know, was like wake up through my glass and then the dude wound down his window, like on the passenger side, wound down his window and I oh, didn't no. want to interact with him. My light went green and he had to stay at the intersection. Drove oh. off. Uh-huh. I just like yelled at myself. Like yell. I've ne- like I've never yelled like this in my entire life. I was so oh, no. filled with rage. Oh my god. Oh, was it like therapeutic or was it just nasty? I don't know, dude. I don't know what it was. I felt like I blacked out for a second and just like came to after the screaming and was like, what just happened? Wow. Um wow, it was that's horrible. A, that's a very visceral start to the the week or the weekend. 
it was a visceral start to the weekend. Um, and then, yeah, as like, as a result, I felt kind of like my sh vocal cords have been kind of shredded, um, for the past couple of days. And today wow. they sound, today they sound great. <laughs> you're like on the mend, you're on that, like, mm -hmm. you know, when you're like lifting weights and you hit that like 18 hour period and you need to yep. start like exercising again, because there's like that Goldilocks zone. That's where mm -hmm. you are with the voice right now. Exactly. Yeah. Love but it. yeah, I, I was surprised as well. I didn't think I'd yelled that loud uh, and that viciously, but apparently I had. Oh my God, watch out. Watch out, y'all. Don't don't push Joe over don't the edge. get on the wrong side of me this week. I, I don't, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call it an, an anomaly and pr pr try not to yell like that ever again in my life, I think. If, if we have one more person write in and defend Pyre, Joe's going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that that's my little intro addendum. How how you been doing? I hear you're in a new location. Oh my god, I'm in Melbourne. Yeah. It um it feels really great to be here and like I've got just got enough energy to be able to do a couple of things. Like, you know, I saw you for dinner the other night. Mm -hmm. I um I went to Cinema Nova yesterday mm -hmm. and saw Bo is afraid. Um which Hell is yeah. a a thing. Um, but I tell you what, like, this is my first movie experience in Melbourne, right? And I love Cinema Nova. I think it's just such a great cinema and the, the films they choose to show, just the best. Um, and so anyway, I was with some buddies. We, we go in and we're like 45 minutes into this film. And it's like fucking hilarious, right? Like it's mm -hmm. a black comedy and like I'm laughing. The people around me are laughing. I will say that I've, I mean, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, like I've got a kind of feminine laugh. Like it can get a bit high pitched sometimes. Sure. Um, anyway, some shit was going down in this film and I was just cackling. And, um, you know, this particularly dark thing happened and I just thought it was the most hilarious thing <laughs> yeah, I'd ever yeah. seen. And this person, like... Oh, no. Yeah, this person in the cinema was just like, how the fuck do you find that funny? Oh, my like, God. What? Like, giggles McGee over here. And like, oh, my God. I know, it starts going off. And um, we were like... It wasn't a super-packed cinema, but there were maybe like 10 people around where I was sitting. Right. And we were kind of looking at each other um, and then it died down a little bit. And then something really funny happened again and we, we all started laughing and uh, someone was like, oh, you know, I hear it's a horror comedy. And like what this person just went off. They were like at the back of the cinema. Um, and anyway, we, we just ignored them, but it was just super weird to yeah. have this happen. And then like maybe... 15 minutes later, again, just more funny shit happens. Uh -huh. And this person is like, oh, look, I'm sorry. And this guy at the front was just like, just shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, anyway, we, we, we finished off the film and uh, we were waiting for the lights to come on. Oh, and, no. and like the lights eventually came on and we all just watched this person have to do the walk of shame in front of us to like yeah. leave the cinema. And it was just so funny. Dude, who heckles in a movie like that? <laughs> I 
know. Like, someone like, else having a laugh. And like, true. if you Google the the film, it says horror slash comedy. Like, yeah. imagine berating someone for laughing uh. when they're seeing a film that has comedy in the genre. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I I've had a few moments like that as well, where I'll be like one of the few people laughing at the really truly fucked up thing happening on the screen right and uh that's my worst nightmare to have someone in the cinema go what's with the guy in the back laughing <laughs> dude <laughs> like, i know that's so terrifying i know and this was uh, like the movie is basically about exploring anxiety for three right. hours and yeah. so like it felt like something that would happen to the main character like right. they would go and see a film and laugh at something that was funny and someone would be like oi what are you laughing about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's got real. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, never mind. Forget it's about gone. it. That's great. It's gone. That's all right. Mad segue. Have you been playing anything? Not really, dude. This week the energy levels have been low, and maybe mm. that's why where the rage came from. I was just a little vulnerable or something. Yeah, I've been like pretty flat this week um not for any perceivable or understandable reason um maybe i'm just not as in tune with myself as i could be but yeah i don't know i'm not sure what's going on i didn't really play too many games i played some more fear and hunger last night oh yeah um, cool and i haven't finished it yet but i played another few a couple of hours and mm -hmm. um continues to be a larger than i thought game um mm -hmm. Uh, and dude i've been watching like all i've been doing is getting home having dinner sitting down on the couch and watching one piece <laughs> oh my god it begins so how how many episodes are there actually of that show do you know uh one piece episodes <laughs> um good question uh, 170 no that's not right um Dude, there's over a thousand. I know that much. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. And you're in. You've 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 bitten off the pinky toe of the the gargantuan piece of content that is One Piece. There's one thousand and sixty three episodes, and yes, I've gnawed at the pinky toe. Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, it's really good. I'm really digging it. I'm like twenty five episodes or something in something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's cool. The animation, I thought it was going to be like old Dragon Ball Z animation, you know? Like mm. I was ready to have a hard time with the first couple of seasons. Um, but no, it's beautifully animated and some really cool staging and shots and ideas that they have. Sick. And the style gets like really quickly settled on, um, which is cool. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great. I can't wait to keep watching it i was um chatting about this with my boss and i was like hey, i started watching one piece and there's over a thousand episodes and he's like oh if you watch like three episodes a day you'll get there by the end or by like a full year and i was like oh yeah <laughs> holy so, shit oh god no i hate when stuff like that happens yeah <laughs> you know you're like project managing a hobby yeah yeah <laughs> exactly i was like yeah, like yes it is achievable but uh i don't know how much fun i'd be having at a certain point uh, i'm trying <laughs> yeah. to do that, that that's like some clockwork orange shit oh yeah yeah i will become <laughs> luffy by the end become a rubber boy um but yeah, no, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, what about you? You've been playing any video games in your in your week of travel? 
yeah, I actually managed to play quite a few. Um, I've, I've been I've been playing some uh, some new ones that I tried out. One of them called Proteus. Have you heard of this game? I have heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I just um, I must have sussed it out, and it was just on my console, so I booted it up, and it's basically like uh, I mean, a remake of the original Doom, but obviously not a remake but it's basically exactly the same it's uh you know a a shooter i don't even know what you call doom like it's an fps but it's that like you know it feels like a wasd fps where it's like you move really quickly it's like 60 frames a second right everything is um uh like pixelated and there's a lot of gore but um Yeah, so the, it's awesome. they do have a name for that genre these days. It's been, it's oh. kind of a newish genre called the boomer shooter. <laughs> yeah, I have. Now you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's a boomer shooter. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. Great music. Feels amazing. Levels are like 10 to 15 minutes long. So mm. like, yeah, just jumping in for a quick 10 minutes and like blowing a bunch of demons away feels, uh, feels really good. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was another game that came out, actually, that was a boomer shooter from Melbourne studio Samurai Punk called Killbug, which okay. is also a boomer shooter. It looks like they were very heavily inspired by Hyperdemon. Um, oh, has similar shit. vibes, but not. it's not um, quite the same experience. It's just, you know, a wave-based uh, single-life mm, shooty game. Right, okay. Um, yep, yep, but yep. it's got a completely different style and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sick. Yeah, sick. So, like, I mean, I'm into it. I'm into the boomer shooters. Um, mm. And I also started playing a game you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, Mortal Shell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's on Game Pass. Right. So, it's uh, it's leaving Game Pass, uh. Uh, which is why I wanted to, like, quickly boot it up and give it a crack. And it is an interesting game. Yeah. Um, it's it It absolutely just feels like Dark Souls, but worse, which is kind of, like what you expect from a Souls-like, I think. Yeah. Um, but it does a couple of things differently. Um, like, the way it works is you're basically uh, just this super squishy, ghouly type thing, and you can enter different shells quote unquote Mm. so like rather than having a class that you choose at the start you know like in like in an rpg or in dark souls you are a squishy thing and you just find shells throughout your adventure and you might like assume the shell of a knight or like Mm. the shell of a mage or whatever um and it's like cool it's you know it's trying to do a couple of different things and i think it does them pretty well yeah cool um how long how many hours are you in Oh, not very far at all. I just kind of wanted to give it a crack, you know, maybe an hour and a half in. Uh, um, yeah, like the, the combat is real slow and like there's a couple of things that are real annoying and it's like grey as fuck. There's hardly yeah. any colour. Um, yeah, like it's not something I would recommend, but just, you know, since I had access to it and it was leaving, I just wanted to boot it up and see how it is. And like, yeah, there's there's a bit of stuff there. There's some stuff going on. Good, good. Um, I think it was on one of our game clubs games once, but I don't know if it ever got picked. So I wonder how that would have gone as a games clubs game. Yeah. Speaking of games club, um, this is one of those months where the Friday falls on the last day of the month. 
So uh, if you're hanging out for that fear and hunger episode, I'm afraid you got a you got a three week wait. Um, oh my god, I'm before waiting for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we got a while to go yet. So is it the 23rd? Is that when we're recording it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it'll air on the 30th. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> That's so So, many episodes, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. We both fucked up. We started playing it way too early and we've got so much to say and like Yeah. Yeah. We're just we're just hanging on for that uh that ultimate uh fear and hunger degustation at the end of the month. My so far the favorite thing I've heard you say about fear and hunger was when we caught up um to have dinner together, you said the tree is deep <laughs> uh, or something like that. And uh, yeah. that stuck with me a little bit. Oh dear. All right. Well, more on that in a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you got some, you got some feed for me, some wangs. I have some video game related video. Uh, um, let me start again. I have some video game related news for you Hell in yeah. the form of chicken wings. Um, Lovely. It's a little bit, messy this week you know like some of the some of the wings are they've been on the floor they're not very tasty yeah that's that's all right you know i can i can get down to that level i can writhe around on the dirty floor yeah we've mentioned the floor and its black crustaceans before but (laughs) we'll have to see how we go so the first piece of news is a little bit sad um it is ea fire monkey studio hit with massive layoffs titles in development have been cancelled um, so yeah, they're set to lay off, uh, a third of, oh, sorry, uh, Kotaku Australia has learned that up to two thirds of the staff currently employed at FireMonkeys will be laid off or shifted into other projects. Um, right. what we got here. So what, yeah. what are FireMonkey responsible for? FireMonkey do, um, well, so originally they were half brick, um, and they got sort of absorbed by EA back in the video game. Australian video game renaissance. <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah, so they did, like, Jetpack Joyride. Uh, right, I thought I recognised Half Brick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was their big claim to fame. Um, I can't remember if they did Fruit Ninja as well, if that was another studio. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, so ever since being acquired by um, EA, they became Fire Monkeys. I think there was another studio that was also absorbed that had higher in the name somewhere i need i really should have done some research on this but um <laughs> and i also i also just should just know like it's just australian video game history that i should just know anyway um th- these days they're responsible for real racing 3 need for speed no limits and the sims free play which are all uh, live service mobile games right okay um damn i know well, that I, that's i know a few people that work there yeah it does suck um they're looking to be a mono-title studio, so they're going to basically be dropping Real Racing and Need for Speed and just work on The Sims free play. Right, okay. I guess, yeah, they would have just identified the cash cow and then gone all in, I suppose. Yeah, it is quite strange. I, I mean, I don't have any numbers on how Real Racing or um, Need for Speed have been doing, though mm. um, I'm guessing The Sims has been doing pretty well. Mm. Um, which is crazy. It's it's been around for a really long time. It's one of those old, you know, ancient live service games that just sort of has its audience and seems to acquire, you know, like a thousand new players every month or, you know, there's like some, I I don't have the stats, but yeah, there's, I know of a couple of these kinds of games that, that just live on forever seemingly. 
Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see here. Um, it, it probably will be a little while. Like I think they, they mentioned that it would be like a month or so before they have these chats with employees and get them to like help them sunset these games mm-hmm. uh, or, or transfer some of the work over to, they're saying here, a studio in India. So they're outsourcing lab- uh, labor to uh, Slingshot in uh, Hyderabad, Hyderabad, India. Right, okay. Mm. Um, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That's sad. Um, a piece of news that I forgot. This is this is much happier news, but it's also weird and strange. A piece of news that I forgot last week that was on top of that huge news fest that we had that stretched for basically <laughs> oh, yeah. the entire episode that I was like, uh-huh. I'm going to save this one for next week, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, was Square Enix announced their new um, small squad multiplayer competitive game called Foam Stars. Okay. okay. Did you see this? No, I've I've not heard anything about it. But this is off the back of um, Babylon, right? Like Square Enix released that shitty live service multiplayer Dude, shooter thing. Square Enix are so strange. Every time <laughs> they're mentioned in the news or they come across my desk, it's like, what on earth is going on over there? <laughs> I've mentioned in previous episodes, I want to go and like, you know, infiltrate the studio and just like see <laughs> what's going on. I wish yeah. to understand. Um so foam stars looks to be a splatoon clone right well i th- that's the first thing i thought of when you were like foam stars i was like ah splatoon you know yeah, that right. sounds that sounds you know really? that sounds like what it's gonna copy yeah okay um so yeah it looks like a you know teeny brightly colored fun you know um squad based multiplayer competitive thing mm-hmm. um and yeah you're just shooting foam around I feel real weird about shooting foam around in games. It feels feels weird to me. I mean, you've been shooting ink. Is foam really? I mean, foam is a lot slower. You know, foam yeah. f- foam has is not as aerodynamic as ink. I wonder. I wonder if they've thought about that, or they're just like suspending that kind of physics based stuff. Yeah, I mean, it looks like foam from the promo materials. I don't know if the I can't remember if there was actual gameplay shown, um, but. You know, Square Enix, just straight up <laughs> retrofitting uh, an old Nintendo title uh, to mm-hmm. match their dark deeds. Yeah. Put some microtransactions in there. Mm-hmm. Call it a day. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Well, we can all not look forward to that. Yeah. Um, Diablo 4 came out. That's one of the crusty bits of news on the floor. I guess it's some news. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it looks interesting, you know, that they're releasing this, this game as a full price, you know, premium product. It's right. like a hundred dollars Australian to buy. Jesus. Um, and it's, uh, it looks kind of cool. You know, it's got like a nice art style and uh, the gameplay looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been thinking about this and I was watching someone play it, I think last night and they were killing some like level one or level two creeps in the game or whatever and Mm -hmm. um they were like yeah this is how it's going to be when i'm fighting level 100 bosses it's going to be killing them this easy and i'm like you probably right you know like these games (laughs) are like basically a number churner where the gameplay remains the same but the numbers go up Mm. you know it's sort of like that warframe thing where it's like 
you're kind of just playing various different classes and upgrading abilities. Maybe the gameplay changes based on certain builds that you choose to do, but in the end you're clicking and pressing pressing yeah. number keys to see different effects play and just fighting stronger and stronger enemies that don't actually change the way that you fight them. Just, you know, there's it doesn't it's it's strange. It seems like a not not a skill-based game, which is fine. There's there's room for those. But yeah. I, I find it kind of unusual that Diablo is well, maybe not not unusual that it's as big as it is, but no, yeah, right. it, it just for some reason doesn't appeal to me at all. Right. I mean, the thing that I love about Diablo is the multiplayer aspect. Like, yeah. it is such a good game to have a conversation over the top of. Right, like, right. Because like you say, you're just spamming all these skills and like, you know, you're finding loot and finding loot is good. I mean, I'm kind of a basic bitch when it comes to loot, but when like the big orange thing explodes onto the screen, I'm like, oh, baby, you yeah. know, legendary, the whole fucking Hearthstone <laughs> Keeper. Like it's it's <laughs> embedded. It's ingrained. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, for, for me, it's just like with Diablo 3, you know, that was a hot dumpster fire. Mm. um for like a year and then they did a console release and they cleaned everything up and they got rid of the store and that's a fucking great co-op game and even better is it's couch co-op so yeah. like i reckon with diablo 4 like if we just wait a year and they get rid of all the pay to win shit and there's like a console couch co-op thing going on and it's all balanced and nice like that could be fun that's real fun to just you know catch up for a couple of hours and talk over the top of and every now and again you'll have like some inventory management to do or yeah, like a yeah. big boss where you need to use more than two brain cells to beat and like <laughs> yeah. i think that's cool i think that's you know that's that's definitely a, a niche that's like attractive to me yeah um yeah and hopefully it goes on sale yeah uh, mm. the other thing um, yeah i saw that on the uh microsoft store they accidentally like made it live for like 30 Australian dollars Ooh. and it was, it was live for like, I don't know, 20 minutes and just heaps of people got on that. Oh damn. I wish I had done that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the, so there's no pay to win in this one. The, everything is um, cosmetic based. So, Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. That, and they've got an interesting approach to seasons this time. I might be getting this wrong, but from the way that I understand it is, um, you play through the main game, um, like as with, with that, you know, the main game storyline as whichever class you want and you can reach max level. Um, and, and that's all Gucci. And then they, when they release seasonal gameplay, seasonal content, it's, um, you create a new hero, a new character. Right. And, and it's designed so that you can try different heroes, um, and level them up so it's like you don't get to take your level 100 character into the new season it's like have a new a new guy um, mm, and okay. play the seasonal content so you know it'll be uh and i think you have the option of just like skipping the main story with the new season like you can just be like if you've beaten the story before you just like press accept and it's like okay you've finished the story the main story and now you're in the end game and you wander around doing seasonal content with um with your level zero character 
Right. Well, I mean, that's that's probably dope because I've never gotten into the Diablo endgame on any of the Diablos, but mm. I think that is like the main attraction for a lot of people. It's just like, you know, the story and the first 70 levels are just kind of fodder. And then once yeah. you get to the end game, then it's about like optimization and, you know, balance. And that's where like a lot of players get the fun. I, yeah, I mean, I do. I, I, I agree. I, I find it strange, though, that they're like, you can't take your fully level character into the seasonal content. It's like you got to start a new guy every time. Mm, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I can't I can't imagine that the whole uh, like, I don't know what it's called, like life service thing where there's mm. seasons and like, you know, I know Fortnite does that and like probably Call of Duty does it. But it's so weird to me. I guess mm. it like keeps things fresh and you know, it gives people new challenges and stuff like that. But yeah, it's never, I've never really understood it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it always made sense to me as like a, um, like this four quarters to the year, you know, like you'd have like your early quarter, you know, just like the fresh stuff and then you'd have like the fall quarter, I guess. And then you've got like Christmas or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> if you sort of base it around holidays and like periods of the year, it kind of makes sense. But oftentimes then they're, they're like whole different things, you know, Fortnite's new season is like, here's the cyberpunk city. So it gives them a right. chance to like capitalize on the fresh hotness of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. How do you predict that? I don't know. Um, they probably got it all planned out like six years in advance with games like Diablo anyway. So mm, yeah, you're probably right. Um, and then the final chicken skin on the floor is uh, System Shock came out. Remember when we played that game? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the remake, right? Yeah, the remake. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's out and about. You can go and pick it up, play it on your video game machine, have a real good time. Yeah, we like streamed a demo of that for like yeah. thirty minutes or something, and like I remember being pretty smitten. I thought it was really cool. It was definitely out of all the demos we played, my favorite one. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got for news, baby. That's a. Uh... See what I'm saying? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. Well. Uh. I've got maybe one bag chip. Oh. Um. That is. Uh. Based off the back of some news we had last week around the Metal Gear Solid Three remake. Oh. So, so I was under the impression that they were getting the original voice actors back. And all that kind of stuff. Well, okay. So this is interesting. So they're not getting the original voice actors back. They're not getting any voice actors back. They're just recycling the original audio. Oh, that's so Konami. That is so Konami. (laughs) Yeah. Like quintessential. (laughs) So like, I, I wanted to ask you though, as like a big fan of this game, is that a good thing? Because if they're using the original audio, which hopefully like they've got those OG recordings and they sound great. Like they can't be changing that much, right? Oh yeah. I'm guessing it's going to be basically the same thing. Uh, right. You never know. Like, they, dude, that's such a weird move. Like that's mm. such a weird Konami move. Mm. Just re-record them. Like get some new stuff in there. You know, even if it's the same lines, just get a fresh take. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it is It is a bit strange, right? Because I feel like voice acting is one of those things that has really improved in the last, like, 20 years. Metal yeah. Gear Solid 3 came out a long time ago, so these yeah. recordings are over 20 years old. 
Um, and it's not to say like, you know, the technology wasn't good enough to get good recordings. That's mm. not true. The The fidelity of the recordings could be incredible, but like, I mean, the direction and the performances of voice yeah. actors have come so far. Um, and like, I think it's going to feel a bit abstract to have like all these hyper crisp next gen faces kind of delivering lines that are 20 years old yeah yeah and like that old look of the mgs3 is a little bit it's not cartoony but it's not like super realistic either it has that sort of right. metal gear treatment to it that i feel like metal gear 4 kind of started to lose a little bit um mm -hmm. but it, it has mm -hmm. that like kojima sheen on the lens mm. um and yeah, all of the camera work is really like, like the direction is like really specific. And like, if you change that and maintain the exact same voice lines, you know, like the, the dude made of bees pain or whatever his name is being like, I'm pain, <laughs> you know, but he's oh got like God. super real bees all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I actually haven't considered what this means. Like practically, like they've got Ocelot going, oh. Like, yeah, you know, dude. all this super hammy shit. And I think, like, that felt really charming and, like, schlocky in the original. Yeah. And I wonder if, like, you know, the better graphics are going to make that lose its effect a bit. Totally. I have no idea. It might be cool. It might be, like, a weird collage, <laughs> you know? Like, you've yeah, yeah. unintentionally done something really cool. Uh, interesting. I mean, this is this is probably a while away, right? Maybe yeah. like a year or two. Um, so I guess we'll just have to keep our eye on that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I, dude, I wonder what happens with the voice actors. Like, if you get your get your voice used in another game, like surely there was something in the contract that Whoa. maybe there wasn't. I don't know. I mean, how how could they know twenty yeah. years ago that video games would become as big as they are? You know, like, I feel like the industry is so different and there's just so many more billions of dollars in it than there were 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I hope they get a little bit of kickback from, say, like, what is it classed as? If you're David Hayter and your voice is in two games that are the same game, but one's a remake, you know, do you take, do you take royalties? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you would hope so. You would hope mm. so. But knowing Konami, if they could have designed the contract so he didn't, then they probably did. God damn it. <laughs> oh, Ooh. boy. All right. Are you ready for me to wipe that crusty floor clean and talk yes. about side quests? Please talk about some side quests. Let's get <laughs> into the juicy side quest content. <laughs> okay oh my god i mean we are having a mind meld the very first note i've got here are juicy side quests can be the <laughs> highlight of a game <laughs> Excellent. oh my god so um i think last week i was like in a couple of weeks i'm gonna talk about side quests wrong we're talking about that shit right now mm -hmm. um so like i think the most basic question we can ask is what makes a side quest good right sure. um because far out there are some just phenomenal side quests and there are just some like turtle suffocatingly bad side quests <laughs> um and so yeah let's uh let's talk about the origin of the side quest here all right so so like fucking everything it starts with D. &D. oh my god not again uh, <laughs> it does. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get away from D and D, but it's just impossible. Um, so 
I'm I'm flipping the biscuit a bit here. I got I got a quote at the start of the uh, of the topic rather than at the end of the topic where our brains have just completely fallen out of our ears. Right, flip that biscuit. All right, so we got a quote here from Danny Pays, um, and Danny wrote an article called "How a Video Game Chore Became a Storytelling Technique for TV and Movies." It's a um, it's a really cool article, but I just plucked the uh, the D and D related quote here, which is as follows: D and D didn't give side quests their name, but it invented the game design idea that RPG fans want their adventures to be unique. And I think that's um, I think that's kind of key um, to the side quest, like. When I talked about Breath of the Wild all those months ago, one of the things that really struck me, and I kind of came from the perspective of reviewing video games, mm. is that there's so much side content in that game that how could anyone have the same experience? Right. Um, and and yeah, like it it that that shit started with D and D. Um, but yeah, because we've talked about D and D so much on this podcast, uh, I just want to fast forward to the first video game side quest. Okay. Um, because yeah, like it's it's kind of obvious with D and D, right? Like if you're in a session and you've got a dungeon master, and like the uh, the idea is that things are relatively open. Like there's obviously a path that the dm has planned and you know whether you know it or not they're probably going to guide you down that path regardless of the choices you make but like if you're like hey i want to talk to this merchant and ask him about this uh rumor like you get to talk to that merchant and ask Mm -hmm. them about the rumor and that makes your experience unique to the session yep um but yeah so fast forwarding to uh the first video game side quest um we're in 1986 uh that's the year that terminator 2 came out one of the best action films ever um so we got the first dragon quest dropping in 1986 um which yeah you know those hot drops uh -hmm. also also called uh also known as dragon warrior um it was it was called Dragon Warrior in Japan. Dragon Quest is actually the uh, the Western translation. Oh, right, right. Um, anyway, it was the first video game with skippable objectives, um, which is basically the definition of a side quest. Um, mm. It's a it's a skippable objective, and so in that first Dragon Quest, there are two optional dungeons. Um, and if you choose to do those dungeons or you like come across them, they give you mad items and sick loot. Um, and that's it right there. Like that's, that's the structure of the side quest. Um, something optional and you get like a, a delicious bonus for, uh, for engaging in that shit. Mad loot and sick items. <laughs> you heard it here first. Folks. Sick loot and mad items. I can't remember. Does it matter? <laughs> you get bonus. You get you welcome get, you, to bonus stage. <laughs> yeah, you get welcome to bonus stage. Um, and so over the years, the you know they tinkered with the format. Um, we 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 had a big shift in dynamic when Neverwinter Nights released in 1991. Have you mm-hmm. heard of this game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this um, I don't know if I knew about this game, but it's considered to be the first MMO, which is like wild to me that like. The first MMO came out in 1991. Like, goddamn. Um, 
Anyway, this had like swathes of optional content. Um, and like that optional content basically just gave the player more options, uh, and more opportunities to earn like gold and gear and stuff. Um, is, and this is never winter. Sorry. is never winter a D and D thing, right? Uh, like a place. yeah. So like wizards of the coast, which is, and like D and D fanatics write in and tell me how fucking wrong I'm about to be. But as far as I know, Wizards of the Coast is like the um, the company that the D and D folk made to like release their content. Mm-hmm. And Neverwinter Nights, I think, was like something that they released through Wizards of the Coast. Right. right. Um, so, like, I don't know if it was like a campaign or if it was its own kind of almost like a D and D homebrew homebrew situation. Um, but yeah, I thought Neverwinter Nights was a thing before 1991 and this was like basically the first digital version. Yeah. Yeah. I only ask cause I'm seeing like some screenshots and there's like, uh, what do you call them? A beholder, the dudes with the little many eyes. Oh yeah. 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 Or, yeah. yeah. And the big like doom looking enemy guy with the, with the big teeth. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks extremely D and D. yeah i mean but that's the thing though right like you look at an rpg in the 90s and that shit looks like like it's D, &D, you know yeah true yeah yeah. i feel like you know we talked about this before but everything goes back to D &D or doom and Mm. like that's fucking it (laughs) like it's D &D or doom car racing game D &D or doom um I will not anyway. this. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, you got you got Never Winter Nights, 1991, first MMO, heaps of side options, heaps of stuff to do. Um, and regardless of their intention, whether it be good or bad, um, this this leads us to the fetch quest. So like over the years that that humble side quest took a nefarious turn wow. and uh, it turned, it like fell down a ravine known as the depths of the fetch quest. Um, by the mid 2000s, World of Warcraft brought in like a fucking huge amount of like bloat into RPG worlds. Right. Um, <laughs> and I've got a note here that says the epoch of the grind was upon us. <laughs> um, yeah, and right. I'm just going to read that verbatim because I think that's fucking true. Yeah. Um, and like the grind is still with us today, right? But I think it took like a good decade after WoW in those early noughties before the industry started like properly praising compelling quest design. Yeah. Um, I think I think we had some outliers like Fallout and Fallout New Vegas and ma- like the Mass Effect series for sure, um, especially Mass Effect Two. Like the side quests in that game uh, were awesome, right? Mm. Like the character-based ones where you would like find a character and then you'd oh, yeah. have an option to do their side quest. And like when I played that game, I didn't like most of the characters. And so I didn't do any of the side quests. And so everyone fucking died at the end. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool in this huge mainstream game where like, if you fucked it up, everyone died, including you. Mm. (laughs) And like the credits still rolled, you know, like the game ended. It wasn't like a game over state. Um, So yeah, there are a couple of outliers, but then, then we have uh, the big dragon schlong witcher (laughs) three. 
it comes along with these side quests that like outclassed some of the main content of other yeah. games. Yeah. Um, and we we actually went to like a talk at PAX, um, where the quest the designers talked about like, you know, how one of their leading philosophies was that they would not create fetch quests like right. that. You know, like before even you know. How, how do we want the character to interact with the world and like what's going to be interesting like they were like no fetch quests yeah. and um you know they even had that inside joke side quest where like you grab that old lady's frying pan yeah. and the, que yeah. the quest goes for like 90 seconds and i remember like playing that and being like take that skyrim you know? yeah. <laughs> like I, I felt like that was such an obvious slash at the fetch quest yeah yeah um and and so yeah, I got, I got a I got a couple of examples here of uh, of both good and bad, um, because like in in 2015, uh, when The Witcher Three first came out, I feel like a good side quest was basically any activity in a video game that wasn't a fetch quest and was optional, right? Um, and that kind of still holds true for me today, um, like. Going back to Breath of the Wild, the side quests in that are shocking. Mm. Uh, like people want 10 apples or a lit yeah. torch or some shit and it's not good. Um, and like luckily or thankfully you can just like walk right by it and the world is so big and beautiful that you don't have to interact with everything. Um, but it does feel like some of what is there is filler content. And then yeah. with the new Zelda, for me, it feels like a lot of what is there is filler content. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't think it's like as egregious in a game this big because you can just for the most part, walk away from that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it really like sticks out for me when I, um, I play a, ga a game, especially if I'm really enjoying it, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then some dude's like, I need 10 apples. It's like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not dealing with that shit. Um and then we've got like true side quest mastery, right? We're like looking at Disco Elysium again. And <laughs> like the side quests are so good in that game that I would forgive you for thinking that they're actually main story juice. So like um for those of you who are familiar, the doomed commercial area in that game, a hundred percent optional. You yeah. don't, you don't even need to walk into that area. And there's like hours and hours of spectacularly designed content there. There's heaps of characters. There's heaps of storylines. And just cause the writing is so fire, like it's just, it's all a 10 and you don't even you don't even have to engage with it at all. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit with stuff like the FromSoft games, um, you know, with like, oh, what's that fucking castle in Bloodborne? Um, Kanehurst. Kanehurst, yeah. Like Kanehurst being completely optional and like I missed it on my first playthrough. And it's mm. just like that kind of content that is a hundred percent optional. And I mean, it goes a bit further than being not grindy, right? Like it is really well designed, mm. um, but just kind of like boiling the thing down, like the video game Jew, like <laughs> it's, it's optional content and it's not grindy and I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder like, 
maybe that's like the mark of a good piece of side quest, right? Where it's like, is this the main story or is this not the main story? If you have that question pop up during the play. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So like with Disco, it for me, it was really hard to differentiate the two. Like mm. I was just trying to solve this murder, you know? And so like more information is better than less information. So you may yeah. as well try and interact with as much as you can. Um, but yeah, I guess with The Witcher 3, I remember it being pretty obvious. I mean, for one, when you accept a quest, it's like side quest and then the name of the quest. Um, so, like, I think modern RPGs make it a lot more obvious. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Zelda, the new Zelda does that. God of War did that. Um, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, d I don't know if it's, like, a good part of, like what makes a good side quest mm. as in the definition because like sometimes knowing you're doing extra content feels good yeah, um, yeah. like when i played god of war i just needed that shit to end you know <laughs> and like being able to just know i was focusing on the main story and getting to the credits like mm. that that felt good totally um yeah, and yeah Sorry, were you going to say something else? No, you're right. I think you're 100% right. Like, the knowing that it's a side quest doesn't necessarily make it a bad side quest. Like, mm. in in other games where you have um, have that, like, you know, glossary of quests menu and you just mm. pick a side quest. Like, I think it does that in The Witcher. Like, you can define which one you're tracking. Yeah, yeah, and totally. demarks them as side quests and they're still great. And so, mm. yeah, I'm definitely off the mark with that one. But, yeah, for sure. Uh, very interesting. Um, and I feel like we got to talk about the series that kind of kicked off this whole thing for me, which is Yakuza. Oh, um, yeah, right. Like, yeah, we, we talk about Yakuza all the time and I hope we've got at least like one listener playing a Yakuza game because of how much we talk about it. <laughs> I but, <feel> so. <laughs> but like, yeah, the, the way you run into the side quests feels really natural in that game. And then... The way they're designed just feels so good that it shouldn't... It feels like a gift to you almost, right? Yeah. Like it, it, they often revolve around mechanics that are only visited the one time, um, characters that you only see in that little like side street with that specific side quest. And it's obviously like a huge effort, but I think it's a big part of why everyone loves those like gnarly Yakuza side quests. They just, I mean, kind of like The Witcher 3. Like for me, there are, there are a lot of side quests in that game that are better than the main story. Mm. Um, and like, I think, I mean, I haven't finished Yakuza 0, but um, Yakuza Kiwami that like i enjoyed the side quests way more than the main quest in in that one for sure yeah yeah um there's a couple in like a dragon as well i mean it's structured a lot more like dragon quest you know like that's actually oh. the name behind it the creator of yakuza really loves dragon quest and he's like what if i made one of those <laughs> um, <laughs> no shit. yeah and so there's a lot of that kind of thing in it you know optional content giving you cool gear and stuff and the way that they structure the characters in that game as well is really interesting the way you find you can find new whole new characters to play with by doing side content right yeah that's yeah. awesome and i love that like i don't know the 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 side quest began with dragon quest and now like the yeah. latest yakuza is <laughs> like 
paying homage. That's totally. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little bit of respect there from the old Yakuza series. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. I mean, the whole fetch quest thing is interesting because um, I don't necessarily know how much I hate fetch quests. <laughs> like oh. I, I think they can be good. Um, oh, Mr. I love Zelda because I get to check my phone while I play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I should never have said this. <laughs> um, yeah, the... I mean, Death Stranding, right? Is this like a misstep to say Death Stranding is basically just a game full of fetch quests? Mm, okay. All right. Um, uh, I don't know because, <laughs> <laughs> all right, now let's go into this because like, I felt the same way with Citizen Sleeper, right? Mm. Our game club game from a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. I really loved that game. Loved the writing, loved the like main mechanic that enabled you to do things, you know, like managing your dice and that kind of thing. But everything you did was a fetch quest, like literally everything. You were either getting mushrooms for people or getting money or getting like technology. Mm. Um, and that definitely didn't feel bad for me. Like kind of like with you and Death Stranding, I could acknowledge that it was a fetch quest, but maybe because the whole game was designed around it. Like mm-hmm. there was more thought put into the actual design of how you fetch the things. Totally. Whereas, yeah. whereas like, you know, like a fetch quest in Zelda is just picking apples from a fucking tree. And like <laughs> you, you pick a lot of apples in that game already. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's not interesting. That's not like some, yeah, it, it feels really lazy. It feels like filler. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean, is Death Stranding just a big fetch quest? Because you're like connecting things, right? Oh no, we're getting into the semantics. <laughs> this is not good. This is I, not good. I, yeah, I think you're kind of right. I think for me, the, the way that it, it escapes the fetch quest uh, pitfall is that the process of fetching is the game, you know? Like it's right. not the actual part of, you know, delivering the apples. Like that. Like that's kind of the meat and potatoes of like a lot of fetch quests is like you go there you do a little bit of grinding you bring back the the trinket mm. um there's no do a little bit of grinding for me at least in death stranding like it's navigating the big weird environment with the npcs that are strange and uh hard to predict sometimes mm-hmm. aspect of it that makes the fetch quests not fetchy like mm. your journey across the landscape one way at least the first time is very different to your journey back across the landscape to return whatever it is that you're trying to do, or even just like do a different delivery is different the next time because you've made a path there the first time. So it's easier sometimes, or maybe it's raining this time. So it's harder. Um, Right. Yeah. It's different, different types of things that you can come across different ways that you can get across the landscape. You know, it's not like you're always on the road. You can sometimes be in the stream or like Mm. going across a bridge or, going through some mountains or some snow or something like the process of doing the fetching is kind of the, the joy of the thing and not the, um, cause like the things that you're delivering, is like pencils or like medical supplies or like figurines or, mm. you know, and they're all in the boxes. You don't actually see the things. <laughs> it's not yeah. like you're going out and killing boars and getting boar skins. It's like, you've got a box, you know, you've got a different shape box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't really know how to break it down properly because you're right. I, I agree with what you just said, but the main story in that game and the side quests are like the same thing. Mm-hmm. So obviously the game feels re- really rewarding because of the amount of detail in the world, right? And like mm-hmm. they make you really think about the traversal and like they make you rely on the technology to get around. And that feels like really engaging and you're like, you know, you've got to think of ways to get around obstacles. And like, yeah. even though, I don't know, that sounds kind of basic to me now that I say it out loud, but it <laughs> feels really good. I when promise. you're in it, when you're in it, it's, it's like must, you have to play it to know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so when you when you take on extra stuff from like, you know, you take on extra deliveries that aren't actually a part of connecting uh, America up again, it's exactly the same. Like, you know, like you say, the package is a little bit different, but like, yeah, I did a lot of those side quests and I really enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they do an interesting thing with the side quests in this is it's not like content that you do when you're not doing the main content it's like mm. you can do a, a primary delivery or like a main quest delivery and at the same time try to knock right. off a bunch of side quests right so they've got that like optimization and efficiency boner going for you where you're yeah. just like oh man okay you know main story is i've got to go to this destination but if i change my kind of route a little bit then i'll be able to knock off like all these extra things so yeah i think you're right i think that's a big part of it and that makes it like a kind of side quest 1.5 right Mm -hmm. like it's it's a bit closer to the main story and i reckon if you could only accept one side quest at a time in that game i reckon you would you would hardly do any of them yeah totally um yeah i think the way that it makes you rethink stuff you know like if Mm. if you're gonna do a main quest and it's like your backpack is basically full you're like oh shit but i really also need to do these other things to like you know get that efficiency going Mm. or you know maybe you're at the end of because there are like some little mini side stories you know like the um the old man you learn more about him as you start delivering him things and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, there's the guy who wants the pizzas um, (laughs) yeah that's a great one yeah, and then there's uh, the cosplayer who you learn about him and his wife, and then there's the yeah, it's like there's little stories that you kind of learn about as doing as a result of doing the stories, and you're like, oh, I kind of want to progress that thing, but mm. it means that now I have to take some carriers with me, uh, so you know, I, I that disqualifies me from using my lifts that I built. Um, mm. It makes yeah. it hard, like I can't move as fast, I can't do big jumps. Yeah, um, yeah kind of augments the main story in a way or the, the way that you approach the main story in, in an interesting way definitely and i think like a lot of the topics we talk about on the pod death stranding just fucks it all up like mm. death stranding is just this outlier that kind of sits away from the rest of a lot of other video games even totally. though like it borrows a really similar structure in the way like it delivers story through cutscenes and like yeah. you know it it has side quests and main quests and all that kind of stuff but yeah the way it conducts itself is just pretty unique really totally yeah um, yeah so i think ultimately 
side quests feel like they're used by the developers to explore something outside of what the main story is trying to achieve. Or maybe I should say good side quests do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, even using Death Stranding as an example, the main story is not very funny, but a lot of the side quests are really funny. Like mm. there's this intrinsic sense of humor, like delivering pizza across like an apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> like that, that, that is pretty funny. Um, yeah. and, and you know, the, the customer is like, I want that shit hot. So you've got to deliver it quickly. Like it's absurd, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're trying to save America and you're like, hold on. Hold on just a tick. I, <laughs> I got to deliver this pepperoni right this fucking second. Yep. Um, and, and so, yeah, for me, it feels like when developers like explore something out of the main, outside of the main story, it feels good. Um, and I think like your overall experience on the game can be impacted in a pretty big way by side quests. Um, like for me, it's like, really hard to go back to the 90s and like early noughties where like jrpgs have heaps of crappy fetch quests that just Mm. aren't that appealing and so you know even like growing up with with final fantasy 10 um for me which was like i think to quote uh jim from a million years ago the last great final fantasy um (laughs) You know, there's it. It just feels like those things are dated because of the type of side quests and the way they're designed. Yeah. Um. And so I think they've improved over time for the most part. And like, despite AAA titles, especially today, just like doubling down on an egregious amount of co- copy paste. Um. I think like a good side quest can be the most memorable part of of a game. And, um, like for me, we talked about the Witcher three, a lot, this episode collecting those Gwent cards, Mm. like, I don't even remember the name of the leader of the wild hunt, but fucking hell do I remember like all those Gwent competitions and like, (laughs) you know, beating someone at Gwent and they'd like take the loss really poorly and start a fist fight and all this shit. And like, I don't know that, that shit is, is pretty tight in my book. Totally. Hell yeah. Yeah. I was, while you were talking just then, I was thinking about like one of the ways that it seems like developers try to make um, side quests more appealing is through just like superimposing some story onto the fetch aspect of it. Right. You know, like, I guess that's what the Witcher was kind of trying to do with the frying pan story. Right. Mm. Um, But it's like, you know, I need five apples. Okay, that's the, like, layer one. And then layer two Mm. is, like, I'm making a pie. I need five apples. Mm. And then layer three is, like, my son is dying. His dying wishes to have pies that I used to make him. (laughs) Please get me five apples. You know? But it's still the same shit. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) And it's it's feeble, you know? It's, like, there's no difference in the the urgency or, like, way that you might collect these things uh, or the difficulty of finding them necessarily. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm, wanted to I'm, throw that in there. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things The Witcher 3 did um, to kind of negate that feeling was you get to make a choice beyond whether you get the apples or not. Yeah, Like yeah. A, a lot of the side quests in that game had you deciding, 
you know, whether you slay the monster or you sacrifice the village elder and like just immediately by having to make a choice like that, the quest already feels, uh, I don't know, like it's got a level of importance or Mm. just like, um, you know, without you knowing you've actually engaged with it because you're thinking about the choice. Um, and like Tim Rogers talks about that with Pokemon, right? Where he's like, the marketing of Pokemon is so spectacular because like when you're like, which version am I going to buy? They've got you, you Mm. know, they've got you already and you haven't bought the product because it's not (laughs) like, oh, the new Final Fantasy is is out. Should I buy it? It's like, which version version? am I going to buy? And I think- uh, yeah, it is. It is genius, and the 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 Witcher three side quests have that design. They're like, which choice am I gonna make? And it's mm. like you just get wrapped up in like that decision whether you like it or not. And I think I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. I feel like even that gets a little bit copy pasted sometimes. You know, like if we go back to mm. the apples and the dying sun example, it's like you go to get this the final apple and when you get there there's like a little goblin by the tree and he's like hey that lady son isn't actually dying she just makes these <laughs> cakes to like sell them on the cake market or whatever she's actually like super corrupt like you can put you can take this apple or i've got this special poison apple and you can put that and she won't know and she'll like accidentally murder someone and it'll be fully sick and if you bring the head of the murdered person back to me, it would be an even better reward than she would have given. You know, like, they, they just do that on repeat. Like, they'll just be like, the, the, you know, an aspect of the collection ends up with you meeting someone else that twists the um, initial uh, impression that you had of the quest giver. It's just... I- but already, just you talking about that is more interesting. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily it... bad. It's, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I just find that to be like, you know, you can just dream these things up on repeat, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah, 100%. A but uh, yeah, it is a formula. But I think that formula is way more effective than just getting 10 apples, regardless of the pie yeah. and the dying sun. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that like I'm going to get these 10 apples and that sun's going to get his pie. Like I, you've just informed me about this quest and I know everything that's going to happen. And that's yeah. like, that's not a good feeling. Yeah, but like yeah. in yeah. in the Witcher, like I rarely had that feeling. I was I, I was not like expecting to meet the goblin and be delivered the poison apple, but like <laughs> yeah. you know, shit like that kept happening, and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of being a bit of a uh, bit of an ignoble Witcher right now. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like sometimes for me personally, at least, I find that like I I find myself uh on the side of avoiding <laughs> sometimes like trying to engage with the that extra aspect i was just like yeah i just want to get these apples out of the way don't tell me about this shit like oh you just made it so much more complicated you know like it's the, the classic example is like you go to a village and you find a woman crying and she's like oh my husband's cheating on me and then mm-hmm. you go and you find the husband and he's actually like getting flowers for her or something you know it's always the same shit right mm-hmm. and then you like mm-hmm. there's like another layer where you find out that the wife is actually cheating on the husband and then like it just mm-hmm. goes and goes it's like that whole thing it just at a certain point i'm just like ah, uh, i got better stuff to do you know like <laughs> this has become too complicated i just wanted to you know fix this lady's issue and you've just dragged me into this saga yeah yeah i think i mean 
It is a little bit of a mood thing, I guess, yeah. as well. I, I think an RPG like The Witcher 3 does a good job of holding 100% of your attention. Like, when I played that game, I was like, you know, I was in that world and I was mm. there for hours or whatever. But, like, I don't know. With with the new Zelda especially, I get ripped out of that all the time with, like, the Bolson construction and the Koroks and all that shit we've, we've talked about before mm. where I'm just like... Yeah, I mean, whatever, you know, I'm just, uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, <laughs> I just, like, feel like I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, the whole Zelda conundrum. I feel like maybe next week we should dig into that a little bit more because I haven't had a chance to play it much this week. But right. Maybe yeah, that no, is I... a part of the reason, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm more than happy to uh bring down the gavel with some more Zelda crimes. Yeah. Um but I've I've stopped playing for the moment just because it it's just not fun for me not doing anymore. It for you. Yeah. But um I've given it to Phoebe and she's just loving it. Like yeah, right. Breath of the Wild is one of her favorite games of all time, but she didn't finish it and yep. She she didn't just absolutely pulverize it like I did. And so she's just like, you know, solving all these problems, using the new abilities. And she's like, I fucking love this. So like, yeah, I, I love that I've been able to watch like the good Zelda times, you know, like yeah. the good version. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, um, yeah, it's like it's. It, the gesture ended up doing a lot of good. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And oh my god, I felt so special when you gifted that to me. Like, oh don't, yeah, yeah. Don't don't let my like, <laughs> negative experience. Didn't but love it, the gift. It was uh... it was so funny. Like I felt like I wanted to like it even more because it right. was a gift. You know, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my god. Not only was like the last one one of my favorite games, but like I was gifted this one. That feels so nice. Oh, and, that's like funny. when I just couldn't pa push past all the problems, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the juice right there, man. Like, regardless of whether or not you enjoyed it, we get that sweet podcast juice out of it. So, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got uh, we've got oranges under the gavel, and we're we're squeezing that shit mm -hmm. beyond repair. Mm -hmm. Can't lose. Can't lose. Just win. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, that's, that's all I got on SideQuest. Hell yeah. Great topic. Loved hearing about how D&D is at the center of every part of my existence, <laughs> even though I didn't realize it. I know. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm still really in a way from when we first like delved into RPG mechanics and like, I realized HP and leveling up came from D&D. Yeah. Like that shit is kind of obvious, but... That shit is in a lot of video games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the homage runs deep. It does. It does. Hell yeah. Well, uh, we hope you all have a really lovely weekend. And we'll catch you next time when it's almost the weekend again. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.